Hi, everybody. Welcome in to Hardcore Penn State Football. Today we are checking the temperature of every position group at Penn State. Are things hot? Are things cold? And we'll explain which one maybe is better or worse. Penn State got a new commit. We'll talk about that. And we'll wrap up with some fan questions. Thank you so much for being here. If you haven't already, make sure to like and subscribe to the video on YouTube. And if you're listening on audio only, please make sure you are subscribed to whatever podcast you're listening to. Let's get into the show. Welcome into Hardcore Penn State Football. I'm Corey Lestoki. With me, as always, the great Sean Kane. How are you doing today, Sean? Not too bad, Corey. Super Bowl's coming up. Did you watch the Grammys last night? Yeah, it's funny because I don't ever watch them, and I just happened to watch them last night. Probably the me first too. time I watched the Grammys in, like, Oof, I don't even know how long. I've never watched the Grammys, but uh, my fiance was like, I, my fiance brought it up and I was like, yeah, I'll watch it. And I watched and I was like, wow, this is actually really, really good, <laughs> which surprised me because I watch the Oscars sometimes. And I don't know, I think the Oscars usually aren't that impressive, but I don't know. I was pretty entertained throughout the whole night. So I think they actually, I think they actually did a good job with it. Um, and then Super I think, Bowl coming up. I, I think music. Musicians are naturally funnier and also like just it's a it's a better crowd than I feel like the actor crowd yeah. is. Yeah, they take themselves less seriously. Right. And I think that I think that helps a little bit. Um, but I, yeah, I did watch it. Um, I love the joke about. Uh, every time Taylor Swift is mentioned, panning it to a former football player, I thought that was that was pretty good. Um, <laughs> And John, you know, we just had Groundhog's Day, which is one of my favorite holidays. Uh, early spring, which is which is on par for what we're hoping Penn State will be doing, as they have officially kicked off winter workouts. And spring ball is just around the corner. We're what just 
just over two months away from from blue and white. So, uh, Sean, uh, winter workouts have started, and that also means that the position coaches on Twitter all tweet a competitor of the day every day, and I am gonna hundred percent read into the tea leaves every single time. We should maybe keep a tracker this year. Should we do that? Maybe I. Maybe I'll I'll go ahead and do that. I'll, I'll I'll get a tracker going. We can keep track of it somewhere on who wins the most for every position group. That that might be a fun idea. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, last year, I remember Drew Allard won it like what once. So gee, I wonder Bo why. Bobilla won it a bunch. Yeah, yeah. Wonder why. Um, but yeah, that'd be a cool idea, Corey. If you could get a if you could get a tracker going, it's always the thing with that is. Um, I always like to see how the young guys compete. Like sometimes you'll see a freshman win it or a redshirt freshman win it. And it's usually always a good sign. A guy that I'll be looking to see, um, you know, if they could get player of the day is, and you know, how much does it mean? Doesn't mean much, but Jameel Alliance, like if it shows that you could make an impact and, you know, if, if DDS wins it one day, I'll be like, yeah, it's DDS. Um, but a guy like Jameel Lyons, one of those young guys, maybe one of those cornerbacks, that'll be a very competitive room to watch. So I think it could give us some early indication on where everybody is fitting in there. I will say this too. You know, sometimes it doesn't mean anything. But, if I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like Anthony Dunka did win it a couple times last year. And for the average fan, they're like, who the hell is Anthony Dunka? But for those that have been listening, Anthony Dunka, and we're going to probably end up talking about with a fan question in relation to this kind of, um, but he came in kind of like the the offensive lineman people weren't talking about except for us because we we liked him a lot. Uh, and he worked his way into playing a bunch in a peach ball. So a year later, those winter workouts kind of proved to be at least the beginning of a really good season for Anthony Dunka on his first year on campus. Yeah, and the other thing to check for um, these winter workouts is a lot of times leadership gets the, the leaders start emerging from this from the winter, and the seniors a lot of them have left and uh, graduated, and pretty much everybody and everybody who's declared for the draft is declared. So this will be a good you know gauge to see where everybody is fitting in from a leadership uh, perspective, in my opinion. Uh, number one guy that you immediately think of is Julian Fleming and how he's going to be uh, fitting in that receiver room. And I'm certainly expecting him to maybe win player of the day a few times here. Yeah, I think Liam Clifford won it today uh, for the wide receivers. So that doesn't really inspire confidence into me. Again, day one here, February 5th, but um, I already know Liam Clifford can work hard. You know what I mean? That's not. I feel like they should separate the people we already know who work hard and the people that we still not that they're not hard workers. We just haven't necessarily seen that yet. Um, I think that they should maybe make that separation. Like, sorry, Liam Clifford, you can't win. <laughs> Liam Popabula, <can't> <laughs> you can't win competitor of the day because we know you're already competing really well. Sorry. Liam I don't know, like who would else be on that list? Probably like a uh, uh, a Vandenberg. I think he won it quite a bit last year. Basically, if you have some grit, you're a logical guy. 
Yeah, yeah. Devon Ellie's probably still in that is in that camp as well. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah, I was, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I will say this too. Like, Zariah Fisher, I think, is another one of those guys that we know works hard based off of the end, coming back from the injury. I mean, just remember, Zariah Fisher was a guy who Franklin originally had said, hey, he's not even going to be able to come back for a whole year. Like, he's already done for the season. And he came back and he competed two years ago. So um, then he, he made a splash, even with how many great defensive ends we had last year. So. He won it today, and I feel like that's somebody you really need to pay attention to. I just love the defensive end still. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today, uh, not to give it away too much, but I, I still love the defensive ends. I, hard to replace a Chop Robinson from a tangible perspective and hard to replace a Adisa Isaac from an intangible perspective, although he's got some good tangibles too. Uh, but I think they're going to be okay there, and I – I think Zariah Fisher is is one of the reasons why. Yeah, yeah. Uh, defensive end, I think that's going to be a real opportunity not to rebuild, but to reload. And there's a difference. And I think you're going to have guys ready to step in. And am I saying we're going to lead this, the, the, the country in sacks this year? No. Um, but do I think they could be top 10, top 5? It all depends on how everybody how everything works out, um, and how guys how guys mature, and of course injuries and staying healthy. So, yeah, this is still going to be a room that I think is going to be is going to cause a lot of chaos on the field. So, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Not trying to get to what we're talking about mostly today, but um, yeah, I mean, it, winter workouts are fun, right? It's a fun way to see. Um, the only other thing I'll say about the winter workouts. They posted like a little video today, Penn State football did of of the highlights of the of the uh, of the session this morning. And one thing at the very end, James Franklin, during the I don't know if it was before or after they had started, but to his speech to the team, mentioned being a player led team. And you know we've said this before, but the best teams are player led. And I don't know how player led last year's team was and you know we spoke about this after the 2022 season that you had so many great leaders on that 2022 team there was going to be some sort of leadership drop off i mean that that wasn't even a knock on in the 2023 guys but you just had so many great leaders in 2022's team it was going to be a leadership drop in 2023 now i will say this i think they absolutely even some of the guys that are returning now show better leadership qualities that I think are going to be great leaders. I, I think of the Devon Ellies of the world. Um, I think now that Kobe King has kind of solidified himself as that Mike, I think he's he's starting to show some leadership there. Uh, on on the offensive side, uh, Drew Aller now is a second-year starter. He's got to be a leader for them. You mentioned Julian Fleming already. That could be huge from the receiver core perspective. Uh, and you get Ty Warren back in that tight end room. So. You've got some more established leadership, even if they weren't necessarily amazing leaders last year. Some people aren't natural leaders or maybe just aren't fantastic leaders right away. Leadership is a skill. And yes, some people have it and some people don't, but you can you can learn to become a better leader. And I, I, I like where they're at 
more this year from a leadership perspective, just on the things I know, Sean, than compared to compared to where we were heading into the year last year. Yeah, because last year we had, I remember sitting here last year at this time, and I had no idea who the leaders were going to be on this team. And now, like you said, you have guys you can point to, Devon Alley's Liam Clifford, Julian Fleming, uh, all those guys that you mentioned, Tyler Warren, I, I think are all candidates to be guys that could step up. And uh, some of them have already shown that they can step up in, into leadership roles. So I don't think it's as big of a question this year. Um, is it still, you know, do I feel like this is uh, 2022 squad caliber and leadership? I, I, I think it's way too soon to tell that. But I do think that um, I, I do think that there are that there's potential here, and I definitely and and last year too. I I think this was I think this was the same way. Like there was never a hint in in the entire lap room, at least, of toxicity, and that's very important because. There have been, you know, times that 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 state at every school that locker rooms can get toxic, and it just takes a few guys to make the whole room toxic. And I don't really think there was that last year. I mean, there there were some whispers with the receivers, um, but that's say there's a little bit more than whispering, but yeah, yeah. But like as a whole, do I think that was the case with the whole team? No. Um, but, um, yeah, so there wasn't that much toxicity and I think there'll be even less this year with, um, with having Julian Fleming there. I I think, I think we're all putting a lot of stock in Julian Fleming, mostly from a leadership perspective. And while I think he's going to be good on the field, I think he's going to be even better, um, behind the scenes and the things that the fans don't see yeah i mean outside of the wide receiver room i'd say things weren't toxic but i can't you know i don't think necessarily that receivers were toxic to one another and it's hard to judge right without being there yeah uh that's fair were they just frustrated that they were always a scapegoat right like at what point is it someone else's fault I don't know. Like that's a hard, it's a hard conversation to have because nothing happens in a vacuum. A football team, you know, someone's success is not because of just themselves. Ninety-nine percent of the time, you have those one percents where someone does something amazing. But I mean, it's not just the receivers. It's not just the quarterback. It's not just the offensive coordinator. Typically, um, and Penn State recognized that. I mean, look, you have you lost the offensive coordinator, Mike Yersich, yet. You haven't seen any high-profile profile wide receivers lead. I mean, you lost Christian Driver. You lost Mason Stahl. Um, you lost Dante Cephas, which I guess kind of a high-profile high guy in him, but not unexpected by any means. Um, but Keonja Lambert-Smith stays. Omari Evans stays. Liam Clifford stays. Caden Saunders stays. Those For to now. me... For now, that's true. I mean, who knows what's going to happen in the spring? You're right. Um, 
But those like that to me was it must not have been that bad of a situation where they were trying to take the first train yeah. out of out of state college. And I think that means something, right? I don't I mean it seems like they're at least willing to battle, which that's that's what you want. You want guys that are willing to go in and at least compete and try to get better. And so we'll see what happens. And that is a good sign, you're right. Um, that they weren't immediately outdoor. Like you look around at different programs, and there are guys, there are teams that didn't have coaching changes, mind you. They had twenty some guys in the port. I mean, what does that say about that program that they were at? I mean, I think you could make a few conclusions. Maybe some NIL deals went bad, and maybe some, you know, obviously maybe coordinator changes. But um, you know, Penn State had a coordinator change. They had two of them. And I feel like they did a pretty good job keeping the band together, at least through the winter. And will there be some attrition in the spring? Probably. Um, you know, it's just kind of a natural part of college football at this point. But I don't think there'll be I don't think there'll be as much. There, there, I should say this. There's usually not as much in the spring as there is right after the season. And usually. Um, but do I expect another receiver to hit the portal? Probably, probably. And I don't think it'll be, it, it won't knock a feather out of me. I also think we're going to probably add one through the portal. So if you're going to leave, right. And if you're going to leave in the spring, you got to be really good. I mean, cause now you're not going to get another chance until fall camp. To, to really prove yourself. So if you're going to go somewhere, you kind of have to know that you're going to land somewhere. If you're going to go into portal, you got to have to know that you're going to end up somewhere. Um, I, I don't know what the numbers are, but I'd be very curious to see the percentage of players who land with a new team coming out of the, the season portal entry versus after the spring ball. I would venture to say more people land with a new team after the season has ended versus coming out of spring ball. I feel like you got to know where you want to go coming out of spring. Otherwise, you might be stuck with nobody. Yeah, like guys in the spring that have left, Chop Robinson, who was a five-star prospect out of high school and had played a little bit of freshman year, made a little bit of an impact, but everybody kind of knew he was going to be good. Keon Coleman. Like, these are the caliber of guys that usually you're right, even spring, because there's just a lot less certainty. Like, teams, like I said before, they tend to have less attrition in um, in the spring rather than right after the season ends. So what does that mean? Well, you have less spots to fill. So eventually it becomes like a musical chairs thing, and eventually everybody's chair gets taken. And then you go from playing at a school like Penn State thinking you're going to go to, um, you know, another Big Ten school or an ACC school and you end up in the MAC. So there are always... If you're lucky. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because those schools, they still have the 85 scholarship limit too. So, I mean, it's it's just one of those things that you have to be very careful of. And that's part of the problem with the portal in general is that I don't think these guys necessarily are always educated enough uh have educated enough to make educated enough decisions i should say when they dive into that portal because yes a lot of guys they they find success there but more guys than not more guys don't than do 
that makes sense. Let's switch the topic a little bit. I want to, before we get into the new commit, one other thing kind of came across the news desk this week, and that was the the Super League is officially starting, Sean. We a new uh, ex- exploratory leader committee, whatever you want to call it, formed between the SEC and the Big Ten. Some are saying the beginning of Power Two. Some are saying it's not too much of a big deal yet. I would personally, if you want news without overreacting, I would recommend Matt Brown um, with uh, with his newsletter. He does a really good job. Not the Matt Brown from The Athletic. Um, other Matt Brown, very knowledgeable in the world athletic directors. He does a lot of stuff for uh, NCAA Football 14 news. Um He is usually not just right about things, but he usually doesn't report news until he knows it's 100% true, which I appreciate. Um, He said some stuff about how much you should really read into the tea leaves about what that means. But, I mean, I think it's different than, say, the alliance that the Pac-12 and the ACC and Big Ten had, right? Like, Everybody knows, right? I mean, it's it's been this way for a while, but it's gotten even uh, more drastic in the in the last couple of years now with with Oregon, Washington, UCLA, Texas, USC, and Oklahoma joining those two conferences. You have even more of a reason to think those are the two best conferences, and we're we're going towards something that's looking like a two conference league. Um, what are your thoughts on it, Sean? I, I mean, I. I don't know how much we're going to see necessarily right away, but these sort of moves and this sort of news and and the uh, the conference realignment sort of comes out of nowhere, right? And this is the beginning of that time where things start randomly happening. So curious what your thoughts are on it. It it's it's hard to say it, right? Because you look at it. And I think there is among college football fans in general a feeling that this is inevitably going to happen, right? That there's going to be an AFC and an NFC. And they're just going to be the the Big Ten and the SEC, and that's it. That Those are the Power Five teams. And you just wonder, well, what happens to the Big 12 and the ACC? And... My thought is the ACC, all their big programs, pretty much, Clemson, well, their two biggest programs, Clemson and Florida State. Florida State's very open about wanting to get out of the ACC, and Clemson, there have been whispers about them wanting to get out, too. And as soon as they both go, that's it. The ACC's done. Uh, The Big 12, which I I think you you have to give the Big 12 commissioner a a lot of credit, actually for pulling something presentable together after losing Texas Texas and Oklahoma. Um, how long are they going Like, if the ACC folds, and you're out there at an island with these two gigantic conferences with all of the marquee programs, like, eventually, you're going to be like, well, it doesn't make financial sense for us to stay around, and you're going to be divvied up. So I think that's coming eventually whether people like it or not and i'm not saying it's going to happen tomorrow i'm not saying it's going to happen next year and five years but probably 10-ish years that's what it's going to be 
And I don't really know if I like it, but I mean, I, I, I think you can make an argument the beginning of this was the Big Ten getting USC and UCLA. Because that was the first time that one of those two major conferences went so far out of their region to grab two teams. And now you're going to have you're going to have games where Rutgers is playing at USC and at UCLA. And it's just not what college football was, but I think this is just going to be what it is. And of course, the thing that, I mean, college football could handle it, but we're going to run into problems with that. And that this opens up a whole other conversation is the baseball teams and the softball teams that have to spend four days out in Oregon. (laughs) And then they have to spend four days out in State College. I think that's where you're going to run into some real problems. And then that brings up what Chip Kelly said, just make football its own thing. And that that I definitely think it's needed. Yeah, I agree with that. I I think that needs to be separated 100%. You know, the other part of this, too, is not just those weird matchups between Rutgers and USC, but also the teams that are going to be left in the dust, right? Not everyone is is, is going to be playing for, for big boy football anymore. That's just the nature of it. And it's going to be very interesting to see how the pie is sliced, but someone's going to be left in the dust. And is it, you know, if you told me 20 years ago, is that good for college football? Probably not. But now, like, what choice do you really have? We're already past that point, in my opinion, of of return. We already are are to the point where uh, the Western Michigans, the app states of the world, hell, even really good football teams, the navies of the world, historically good football teams, are going to probably be left behind. And I don't know that like we talked about this a little bit yes or last episode. Uh, for me personally, it makes me less of a college football fan. Like I'm still gonna like Penn State football, but like that that stinks in my opinion. That not everybody is gonna necessarily get to root for their team necessarily for the same thing. The only saving grace would be is if we went to some sort of relegation system, which I don't think is ever gonna happen. Um, one other part of this, Sean, too, that needs to be mentioned is the Big Ten and the SEC basically said we don't really care what the NCAA thinks. They have completely said we are going to make our own rules if we need to and at the end of the day we can do whatever we want there's nothing stopping us the NCAA is, is continuing to lose all power I don't know if people are following along what's happening in Tennessee but the NCAA is losing all sorts of jurisdiction in in the matter of college football and the money is so big that the minute these TV folk decide that the NCAA is costing them money, it's over. It's done. And I think that's really the beginning of what we're seeing here. TV. TV networks run college football. Like, just period. Uh, ESPN runs the SEC. Fox runs the Big Ten. Like, these, like, and it didn't really used to be like this prior. I mean, first off, you like years back, it, it wasn't like this at all. 
And now, I mean, you saw it with, and I do think Florida State fans have to let it go, (laughs) but you saw it with ESPN pushing Bama for 12 hours straight after the ACC and SEC championship games. Like, you saw it then. Like, oh, wow, they're just all going to mobilize to get the SEC team in. And I fully think that Fox would have done the same thing for Ohio State or Michigan. Because that this is just what it is now. And um, it's if it makes financial sense for the ACC and the Big 12 to just become largely irrelevant, then that's what's going to happen. And I think that's I think their expiration date is approaching. And. I mean, you already saw it happen with the with the Pac-12. I think the the worst part of the Pac-12 breaking up. In, in my opinion, as, as at least with football, is like Oregon and Oregon State aren't going to get to play anymore. Washington and Washington State aren't going to get to play anymore. So I just kind of think that sucks when you lose old rivalries like that. Yeah, well, let's get away from the depressing conversation and move to a more exciting conversation. And that is Penn State has a new commit. I used to play some music here. I should probably get back to playing some sort of music here. Um, Sean, would you like to do the honors of the new commit? Of course, yeah. It's uh, Alex Tatch. Uh, he's uh, another guy from out in Western PA in the Pittsburgh area, Latrobe, Greater Latrobe High School. And um, yeah, really, really fun highlight tape to watch. Uh, flies after the ball. Um, very, very athletic. Um, and uh, Tyler Calvaruso on their uh, podcast, Reliance 247, said um, he thinks that this guy who hadn't been evaluated until like a couple weeks ago has a chance to become one of their 20, uh, top 247 prospects. So that just shows you the caliber of guy that we got. Um, I know he was interested quite a bit in Notre Dame, ended up deciding to stay home. And we already have a three or four guys from Western PA now uh, in the Pittsburgh area in this class. So definitely off to a good start out there. A lot of credit to Terry Smith. Uh, That's his area. And Penn State just continues to clean up out there. So happy with this commitment. And uh, like I said, fun highlight film. If you want to, if you want to watch them, it's on uh, his huddle. Uh, So definitely check that out. I'm not going to be negative right away because I agree with everything you said. Oh, boy. Second linebacker commit in this class. Um, I like him, but, Sean, here's where I get a little bit confused or scared. I'm always a little nervous and hesitant with these kids from these smaller schools that aren't necessarily playing to the same level of competition. You watch Alex's film. And he's probably one of, if not the best player on the field, which it's not his fault, but you, you, I get those, uh, just those vibes of, okay, what happens when we see better competition? Does it hold up now? The silver lining here is that Penn state had him on the board for a while and has recently really gone after him. And 
you know, sometimes they're more aggressive with the outer state guys and they can kind of fall back on some of these in-state players. Not the case here. Man, there's still some Penn State linebacker targets out there for the 2025 class. And they wanted him aboard, on board right away. So that means they must really like what they've seen. He hasn't camped for them. Um, so they don't have like official time or anything for him. So I'd be curious. I, I mean, there's no reason he doesn't get out and and camp multiple times. Like talking about Anthony Dunka earlier, he's a perfect example of a guy who who went and camped as many times as he could and got better. Basically, got coaching for free or before he was even on campus. I expect Alex Tash to do the same. But I, I'm a little concerned just because he was so much better than everyone else. But I am excited just because of how badly Penn State wanted this guy. Um, that makes you feel a little bit better. Yeah, and it shows you that they probably had a, that they must have had a lot of faith in the way he tested because they know all that stuff and what his measurables are. So... Um, especially since they uh, kind of put the full full court press on with him. But yeah, yeah, your point is a good one. We've seen lots of guys come in, uh, not just here, but other places that were biggest fish in a small pond. And then you get here and, you know, sometimes you, you have trouble finding your way a little bit. But they must have had a lot of faith in what they what they saw with, uh, with testing and, and things of that nature. So, yeah, I think it's a good pickup. And um, it's another, I believe, it's another top ten guy in the state of Pennsylvania that's coming, yep. staying at home. Yeah, somebody had a good tweet. I think it was actually a Pittsburgh media member mentioning how many top players from the Pittsburgh area have gone to Penn State, and Pitt, Pitt's basically not gotten any of them, um, or very little of them for the last I don't know four or five classes. So um, good to see you there. Uh, we, we did have a comment from Robert Bosfield, and he says about the conference realignment and where, where college football is going, he says, it's all Notre Dame's fault. With their NBC contract, then everyone wanted a piece of that. I blame the Golden Domers for everything. And I think Sean would probably agree with that. Amen. Just it's blame Notre, Notre Dame. Fault. Yep. Just always blame Notre Dame. Um yeah, and, and just to wrap up on Tatch, that is uh that is uh number nine, I believe, in a class of twenty twenty five. And so we're off and running, Sean. I mean, just a second ago it was like, oh, there was only a couple a handful of people in that class and and now we are uh now we're off and running. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Sean Rev- Revolution nine. Yeah, I got you. I was just ready to um to mention to you yeah. that uh although we've had a commit in this class, I think everybody should be making sure they're committing, making sure they have the right health insurance. Um are you paying too much for health insurance? Too busy to read long, complicated policies. Meet Patrick Motti of Motti Health a former Penn State letterman and your new health insurance coach. Patrick leverages years of expertise to offer customized insurance solutions to help you develop a a coverage game plan that secures your family's health and future. As a father, Patrick understands the importance of reliable health coverage for your family. From individual plans to family coverage, 
Patrick ensures you get the best protection for your health and your budget. Modi Health, one broker, endless solutions. Now offering up to a $500 cash bonus for every customer referral. So quit overpaying for health insurance. Visit ModiHealth.com to schedule a free consultation with Patrick today. Did I did I um, give away? Did I show my cards a little bit that time, Sean? I mean, I I think you're just psyched about Maudi Health, and you just wanted to tell everybody about it for no reason at all, and I don't blame you. Just did you just say Maudi? Did you say ModiHealth.com? I did. Okay, just wanted to make sure. Yes. Go see Patrick. Um, and former Penn, uh, Penn State Letterman, correct? Yeah. What else do you need? Who else could you trust? I trust the Penn State Letterman, that's for sure. Absolutely. I trust him more than I trust myself. Me too. Yeah, you should see me looking at health insurance policies. It's a pretty sad sight. I think but, I uh, bragged on this show about how good my health insurance is, but that's neither here nor there. I think you did, too. Uh, yeah. Anywho. We'll let it go. Let's check the temp of the, the Penn State football team, Sean. So, so how, how we're going to do this, We I guess we hadn't really decided officially. I was thinking, you know, hot is maybe bad, closer to having a fever. And you could go the other way and like, man, that guy's really hot right now. But I think it's because it's not in season. I could say, like, oh, yeah, Aller's hot. Like, he's, he's playing really well. But since we're out of season, I would say, as a position group, you do not want to be having a fever right now. Maybe think of it as you're checking your That's, own temperature about how you feel about those position groups, if you need to do it that way. And then you don't want hypothermia either, so you just want a good temperature. Think about it. Okay, that's fair enough. I'll let you kind of go whatever way you want with that, Sean. Um, <laughs> let's start with the kickers. Mm. Cold, hot, where are you at? Uh, feeling pretty cool. I, I do, um, you know, I think the transfer that we got, I think he's going to... Um, Who's the transfer again, Sean? Name's escaping me right now. Um, yeah, but I know he... Um, Should I give you a hint, or do you want to try to figure it out on your own? Give me a hint. Um, how do I say this? I guess it's not. I was going to say he has two first names, but that's not really the case. Um, if I tagged you and you were it, you would then what after me? I would chase, chase Meyer. There you go. Yes, Chase Meyer, who had a very good career at Tulsa. Um, I think he's he's going to be the he's going to be the favorite to take over there, and he, um, un unless Sanders Zaheda could show something here, um, yeah, it's going to be. I think it's Chase Meyer's job to lose right now, and that's a guy that, as much as I could trust kickers, because I can never fully trust kickers, um, I feel like I'm going to be able to trust him. So, uh, right now I feel pretty cool. And cool being a good thing about it. So I feel like a good good temperature with with kicker right now. I just wanted to make sure that who the special teams competitor of the day was, but it was neither kicker. So 
just wanted to see where that was at. Um, I'm going to honestly, I'm a little bit, I guess, hotter about it than you, just because I don't like having a, a new starting kicker. Now, I think this is something I have to get over because we could theoretically go into transfer portal every year for the end of time. So maybe that's the better way to do it. Just get an established person. I don't know. Um, Seems to be what Franklin's trending toward. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, why waste a scholarship on something you don't know for sure when you can go get a transfer portal guy that, you know, has at least done it to a certain degree at at another level. Uh, Let's go punter. I'm pretty cool about this one. I'm, I'm cool as the other side of the pillow. Really happy about where Riley Thompson is. I think he was one of those kind of didn't win a Hardy Award this past, you know, this past January. But I was a nominee. Could have voted for him. I thought he was a really good unsung. Maybe he was the unsung hero of the Hardys. Maybe he was a Samwise Gamgee of the Hardys. I don't know. I think he's a good early nominee for that for 2024. Uh, yeah, we're going to be good at punter as long as Riley Thompson's here. And he's going to be here at least this year. Uh, probably, probably 2025 as well. So, yeah, I'm feeling pretty cool. About, what? Um... Uh, Riley you know, Thompson. Sean, just just let you know. I mean, I don't want to rush you or, or make you feel like you have to get it done. But one month is in a book. Have you watched Lord of the Rings yet? No. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. And yeah, obviously, I have plenty of it's time. Still fo- it's still football season. And just, I just want to put that on your radar. Because I just don't want you to forget. At one month, it's going to go fast. We're going to be back here in January again. And we'll, we'll, we'll just figure it out when we get there. Um. Let's go to safeties. Sean, how are you feeling about the safeties? Yeah, I'm still feeling pretty cool about them. Uh, KJ Winston, uh, I think it starts with him. He's next. been saying that for a while. I think he played at sometimes an elite level last year. I think you're going to see a pretty consistent elite level this season. Uh, Jay Reed, who's um, a... Is it? I always get him. Is it's Jalen Reed or is it Jaden Reed? Yeah, yeah. Um, veteran Jalen. Jalen. I always get Jaden Reed, Michigan State guy. Michigan State guy. Now, now Packer. Um, Yes. Yeah, Jalen Reed. Um, he's been a a mainstay since 2021. So, uh, two guys that you trust, and then you feel good about the guys behind them, right? Um. Zeki Wheatley has played a lot of football at Penn State. Um, and then a guy that hasn't played a ton yet, but I still think has a lot of talent, and Makai Flowers. I think you're going to see more of him this year. And I feel I feel good about him. I liked him coming out of high school. I just kind of think he got lost in, the, in, in a very, very competitive room. But I'm, I was he was also one of those guys I was keeping an eye on at for potential transfer, yeah. but he did not transfer, which point. was a very good sign because I, I think he's got a lot of ability and I think he can make a good impact here as soon as this season. That's a good point, Sean. Um yeah, Wheatley's still there too. Yeah, that, that's a good point. I, I, I like the safeties. I'm feeling really good about the safeties. Um let me just switch it up on you completely. Let's go quarterback. Oh boy. Uh, only because I didn't realize we were talking about how Bo Prabila won 
the competitor of the day, like almost every time last year. Well, he won the first one this time too. I don't know if you saw that or not, but he, he did win competitor of the day. Um, Bo Perbila did. So, um, was there a boot? What that was what that was June ish? No, that was right around now. Oh, was it that long ago? Yeah. Um, Eric, maybe March. Danny O'Brien, by the way, was the one tweeting that he is like his thing says quarterbacks coach. So, oh, does it? Yeah, I guess that's your quarterbacks coach. Um, that's what it says in his bio: quarterbacks coach. So, where are you at with the quarter? Me. Where are you at with the quarterback, Sean? The warmer than the other positions we've named so far. Um, look, I mean, we talk a lot. How about you, Aller, last year? Um, just wasn't good enough, uh, especially against better teams. And we're going to need more from him. And it's very easy to dump on everything else that was around him. But I do think the quarterback, you know, needs to be held accountable too. And I'm fairly confident that within Lash, he was, he is being held accountable. And it's, it's got to happen. He's got to be better. And again, was it that I hated everything I saw from him last year? No. I mean, just looking at his touchdown to interception ratio, it's, it's impressive. And he was a 10 win, 10, uh, 10 win guy as a, as, as a, uh, as a first year starter. But I mean, the, the teams we played outside of three of them really weren't that great. And he lost to all three of those teams. So. Yeah, we need more. So definitely warmer temperature on the quarterbacks than than the other uh, few positions that we named so far. But I'm not ready to throw in the towel or anything here. Also, I just want to point this out, too, because this is a big year for Drew Allen. This is a big year for the quarterbacks. Because let's say we lose two or three games again, and Drew looks like he did last year. I think there could be some hard conversations to be had between um, coaching staff and Drew. The safety net's gone. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no, there's no. Oh, he's he's got time to develop. I mean, it's now, right? I mean, in my opinion, they did it perfectly. Like they gave him the year behind a really experienced backup, got a chance to learn. The ropes, then got a year, had good running backs, had good tight ends, had a really good defense. Just the, you know, he didn't have to worry about doing too much. I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better situation. So I, mean, I guess you could have asked for maybe an Allen Robinson. Um, but otherwise, besides the receivers, you couldn't have asked for a better situation. And so the training wheels are off. And things have got to, you got to start pedaling. Otherwise, you're going to, well, at least skid your knee on the pavement, if not worse. So, yeah, I agree. I, I'm I'm pretty hot about the quarterbacks. They've got to got to find a way here. And we'll see. Andy Cuddle-Nicky comes in. We'll see what happens, what changes, if anything. I think it's more of an attitude, and not, not that they have a bad attitude. I think it's just a mindset thing, maybe not an attitude, a mindset thing to be, like you said, Sean, like wanting to be the best and having a little bit of that toughness, grit that 
you call it the it factor. I would just just say um, confidence. Come back to confidence. Same thing. <laughs> Let's go defensive ends. Cooler than the other side of the pillow. Rest in peace, Stuart Scott. Yeah, we're going to be fine there. Um, you know, we talked a little bit before about how we were feeling about them, but like, Deny Dennis Sutton was third team All Big Ten as a backup last year. And I don't know if I've seen that before with Penn, with the Penn State player that a backup was still an All Big Ten caliber guy. I've seen that at places like Georgia, Bama, <laughs> but not here. <laughs> and we've had some really good uh, reserve players before, but he really, he really wasn't that. Um, and then you have to also think about Amin Vanover, who's played a lot of football here. Uh, Smith Vilbert, who played one of the, who, who who played a great Outback Bowl, and we will always talk about that Outback Bowl. But he has a chance to, he has a chance to contribute this year too. And if we could get something out of Smith Vilbert, I mean, awesome. Uh, Zariah Fisher, who we spoke about. And then the guy that has had a lot of buzz since last season, Jameel Lyons. So there are four, maybe five guys that I feel really, really psyched about at defensive end. And I think they're going to be able to fill in very nicely for um, uh, for Chop and Adisa Isaac, who departed. Now, you do wonder how they're going to, how you have to, and you have to keep in mind, this is a new defense. And it's a new defensive coordinator, so it's a new guy calling the plays, new new system. So there might be a little bit of a learning curve there. But I do think what Tom Allen did, did typically does and what Manny does is pretty similar. It you know, they're both rather aggressive um defensive coordinators that um, you know, like to have their guys eat. And I think there'll be a lot of eating to be had among these defensive ends. So yeah, cooler than the other side of the pillow here. Yeah, I agree with that. I'll just take defensive tackles. Um, also pretty cool. Not as cool as the defensive ends, but feel really good about the defensive tackle position uh, for the first time in a while. I I really, Devon Ellis plays like he did in the last half of the season. We're going to be in a pretty good spot. Zane Durant continues to develop, feel really good there. And you still got some players behind them as well. So um, didn't never heard anything about Izzard. So you have Izzard back as well. Um, so you, you you basically have everyone back at defensive tackle. So just another year of everyone getting better as of right now. Again, things could happen this spring, but feel really good about the defensive tackles for the first time in a long time. And they've got different guys that can do different things, which is which is really nice and gives you some versatility depending on who you're playing. So defensive tackles also very very cool. Not as cool as the defensive ends, but still cool. Yeah, Dion Barnes is back, right? And we saw Dion take this group to another level this year in, in 2023. And you got to feel pretty confident that he'll be able to keep this train moving here. And uh, yeah, I agree with everything you said about defensive tackle. I think they're they're poised to have maybe an even better year than last season. All right, let's go. Tight ends, Sean. Yeah, a lot of talent. 
a lot of talent, and I think that's where it starts. Tyler Warren, we all know what he could do. Um, Andrew Lerapplier, who uh, and Khalil Dinkins. Uh, Khalil Dinkins, I spoke about a lot last year. I think he would have started on probably 11 or 12 teams and then then 14-team Big Ten. And and Andrew Rapplier, who people I, I thought was actually going to play a tad more than he did, although he did play. Uh, but I think just being behind Theo, being behind Dinkins, and being I was going to say, give a shout-out to Dinkins for that, right? You know yeah, I mean? he held him off. And uh, that was that shows you a lot about him. And and then you have Luke Reynolds, who everybody and their brother is just psyched out of their minds about and who is poised to maybe and be maybe being able to step in next year and play right away. Um, I'm a little and this isn't a shot at him. I'm a little less bullish than a lot of people are on how much he's exactly he's going to play as a freshman, but I do think it's not out of the question that he could burn his red shirt. And, and Jerry Cross is there. And I think this could be a year where Jerry could take a step forward as well. So a lot to like a tight end. Um, a real lot to like. So uh, a lot of credit to Ty Howell and how he's been uh, just developing guys year after year. And it, it's a lot like Deion Barnes in that everybody seems to always take a step forward with Ty. So. Um, very cool. Very cool with the tight ends. Yeah, yeah, probably the best position group. I mean, you got to feel really good from a leadership perspective, about the talent perspective, about the coaching perspective. Yeah, Reynolds, I think, is the interesting one. Joey Schlaffer, too, is a name um, keep an eye on, right? I mean, he, everyone talks about Rappelier. We talk about Rappelier. I, I talk about Rappelier. But... If I'm correct, Joey Schlopper was one actually was here early enrolled last year, not Rappelier. So he's been here now for a whole year. See if that if that changes things or or uh, you know, he's been there, done that kind of now. So uh, I don't know. It's a good group and I just I'd be curious to see how it all shakes up, but yeah, you gotta be pretty excited about the tight ends. I, I do want to see them block better this year though. Yeah. I do think the blocking left a little bit to be desired last season. So I want to see a step up there. Yeah. I, part of that, I think, is just Theo Johnson is what he is. Like, he's he's a good blocker. He's not a great blocker. Um, also, Brenton Strange was such a good blocker that I think lowered or the expectations were maybe a little too high. But, yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, let's go with running backs. Um, I'll start. I'll just say if it wasn't for those last couple games, I would have been a little bit more concerned. But this is pretty ice cold for me. I, I'm feeling really good about the running backs. Really excited about what Andy Kotelnicki is going to be bringing in and how he's going to continue to utilize those guys and and get them in space. You know, we did see them get in more space after Mike Yersich left. We did see some explosion out of them. Nick Singleton definitely simplified things and got back on track. Katron Allen didn't have a bad year by any stretch. He was Mr. Consistent all year doing his thing. Um but after those two, Sean, I think is where it gets interesting, right? Um, Cam Wallace, like, where's he at in his development? London Montgomery, is he 100% healthy now officially? Where are those two guys going to be at? And then, you know, Quinton Martin. W- what's Quinton Martin going to be? Is he going to be a running back? Is he going to play early? Uh, just a lot of a lot of questions after those two, Sean. And, and 
you know, you do lose Trey Potts, which kind of stinks. But now Nick Singleton, Catron Allen, they're veterans on this team. And they, they have got to be the leaders in that room. I think it says a lot about how the staff feels about these running backs that we weren't really even going after any running backs in the portal last year. So or not last year, a couple uh, last month. So I think that tells you they feel really they they feel confident that uh, one of London or um, Cam Wallace or Quint Martin are going to be ready to step in at that number three spot. And I agree with you. I don't really know where Quint Martin's going to be. Um, I think ultimately he'll probably end up at running back, but I think Penn State's going to do a lot with him. He seems like the type of guy that in in Andy Kotelnicki's system, he's going to do a lot of different things with. He's going to line up at a bunch of different spots just as a freshman. Um, Maybe a little bit like how uh, Derek Williams was used early in his career, uh, lighting him up at running back, lighting him up at receiver. So I think you're going to I think you're going to see quite a bit of Quentin Martin. But I mean, Corey Smith is there, too. So I, I even though I think he's a very good candidate to redshirt. Um, yeah, I, I think I feel pretty cool about this running back spot. I don't know if I'd say ice cold. That might be a little different than Corey on this one. Um, just because, you know, I, I, I know Singleton finished the year strong, but he did struggle most of the year last year in, in my view. Um, I know James Franklin thinks he played better as a sophomore than he did as a freshman in some ways he, he did, but I mean, I, I think if we're watching the same guy, I, I, I didn't see that, but to each their own. Yeah. I, some fans, I think definitely will just look at the stats too hard. And at the same time, I think sometimes Franklin's never going to say, yeah, he's having a crappy right, year, which so. is true. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I just disagree with them saying better. I was like, well, he's a better. He can catch the ball better, but he did. He. I, I, I don't really know where else he, he was better at. I, I think he improved as a blocker too. But again, yeah, you're running you, back at the end of the day. Yeah, when you're averaging less than three yards a carry than you were the previous year, I think it's a bit of a step back. But but he did finish the year strong, so that made me feel a lot better. I will say that. All right, let's go corners. Hmm. Well, I would say you lose Kalen King and you lose Johnny Dixon. They didn't have necessarily the best senior bowl outings. Um, and you lose Daquan Hardy, which we're a huge Daquan Hardy fan club. So I, I would say I'm 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 hot about this, uh, given how the Peach Bowl went. Now, I know Penn State's bringing in some transfers. AJ Harris, one of them. Uh, Kimber being the other one. Makes me feel a little bit better. But it's like when you throw ice into a, a pot of boiling water. Like, ice is just going to melt. And the temperature's going to cool down a little bit. But you're still going to have to wait and see. And that's kind of where I'm at here. I, do, I don't doubt the development aspect. Like, I think they're going to get there. But you... You got to question the depth a little bit. Is Cam Miller ready to play big time football? A lot of it. Um, remind me, uh, Zion Tracy is he ready to play big time football? Like those are your questions because they're gonna they're gonna have to play a lot of football. So I would I, I'm saying pretty pretty warm on this one, Sean. 
Yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, corner is one of the big question marks on this team, maybe the biggest. And it's, you know, people sometimes misinterpret what question mark means, but it's just a mystery because I could see the cornerback room being fine. And because there's a ton of talent there. And AJ Harris was a five star prospect, and Georgia fans were really bummed to see him go. And Usually when guys transfer, I, I typically like to see what the opposing fans of what their fans think of them. And that they felt pretty good about AJ Harris and how he was going to develop. So I think he's going to help. Uh, James Franklin has talked about Cam Miller now for two years and how happy he's coming along. So I know he had a, he, although I think he had a couple of decent moments in, in, in the peach bowl. He had, some not so good moments in the Peach Bowl too, and and that that's going to happen. I mean, he is his first start, and he was playing against, he was going against the maybe the best passing quarterback we had played last season, and a very talented group of receivers. So yeah, uh, not not a position you want to be a first time starter in. And same thing with Zion Tracy. I mean, we've heard how good how well he competes. We saw him make a few plays on special teams, so. I do think there there's a bit of a um, bit of an it factor there and a little bit of bite. Um, you know, I think uh, Bill Parcells once said, if they don't bite when they're puppies, they're not going to bite when they're dog when when they're when they're grown dogs, which I think is uh, which I think is a good way to put it. And I saw some bite from Zion Tracy, and I think he's going to be fine. Um, but you just wonder how far along he's going to be in his development, and if and if going to be he a guy could be uh could have potential but is he going to be ready for um you know to be a starter to be a starting caliber corner i think that remains to be seen and then i think kimber um you know i i think he had some mixed results at florida i think there were some good things or some bad things um but i'm not really sure if we're going to be asking him to be a starter per se but I do think he could be a depth piece. So, yeah, I think you have to I, – I think this has to be one of your warmer groups just because there's so much uncertainty here. Right, right. Yeah, and, you know, I think Cam Miller has some dog. I think Zion Tracy's got some dog too. Um, you know, Zion Tracy's a guy who basically earned his scholarship at Penn State by going to camps and, and beating up on some other Penn State targets at wide receiver at the time to, to earn that. So I think they've got it. They just, you know, hadn't hadn't gone up against that. And honestly, I mean, who knows how well Kalen King would have done in those situations? Like Kalen King hasn't had his best year. I mean, just just be frank about it. And um, from an from an experience perspective, you think it would have helped, but uh, they'll get there. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm curious about it, but a little bit nervous right now. If you're curious, Cam Miller won competitor of day one. If you were if you're curious on that. Let's wrap up the defense with linebackers. Sean, we had one conversation about this already. You move Abdul Carter to the Sam. Do you bring in Tony Rojas at the will? And you have Kobe King at the mic. Um, the only, oh, one other thing I forgot to mention about Alex Tatch earlier, he's a box linebacker, just so everyone is aware. He's, he's going to be playing. We're not going to be asking him to be out on the edge too much there. Um, how much do you try to let Abdul Carter play freely while also needing him to play Sam? 
interesting conversation there. But as far as temperature goes, I'm pretty cool. I feel pretty good. Um, I think there could be some growing pains depending on how they go about certain things. And it's a new coordinator. And But I think Tom Allen's a good teacher. I think he'll have them figured out. Um, I'll just be curious. And, and And you know what? We say Kobe King has the mic spot locked. But a new coach, like, we don't technically know that, right? I mean, theoretically, I know I don't want to scare fans. Um, but theoretically, like, this, it, there could still be some open competition at Mike between Tyler Ellison and Kobe King, at least at this point. I don't want to agree with it. I'm just saying it's a new coach. Um, uh, theoretically, yes. But uh, theoretically, gravity might not be real. So... <laughs> No, um, no, that's that not a theoretically. That's not a theoretical. <laughs> nah, um, yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, but you know, don't forget too. Tom Allen runs a four-two-five, so um, at least he did it in Indiana. So there, I'm interested to see how exactly he goes about um, with with his defense and um, fitting his personnel with what he wants to do. And, you know, every, every coordinator, every coach will always say, um, I'm going to fit my scheme to my personnel. And then how many times do you see that doesn't happen? See Vic Fangio with the Miami Dolphins. Or they'll be super aggressive. Don't forget the attacking aggressive style. Yeah. Attacking aggressive style. We're going to have, we're going to have multiple style offense and defense. And (laughs) it's one thing to say it, it's another thing to do it that they're very, I've noticed like they all say it all, but most of them don't. Most of them do. Try. Nobody's going to, nobody's going to say we are a laid back on our heels defense. Yeah. We just kind of see what happens <laughs> and do our best out there. <laughs> I, I kind of want to see somebody say that sometime. Um, but yeah, they basically all say the same thing. And, um, but still, the best coaches actually do it and they do fit their personnel with what they have. Um, see, you know, Andy Reed, you could coach Patrick Mahomes. He could also coach Alex Smith. Um, but then there are some coaches that just can't veer away from what they want, from what in their mind they want to do and they can't coach that. And they can't coach that specifically, but I do have faith that Tom Allen's going to be able to do this. Like there's one thing that he loves to coach and it's like, and he's all even at Indiana, he always had great linebackers. So I have no reason to doubt he won't do the same thing at Penn State. So I feel I feel uh pretty cool about this group because there's also a ton of talent there with Abdul Carter, with Tony Rojas, Kobe King, Dom DeLuca. I think there's a lot to feel good about. Yeah, yeah, Dom is is always fun to talk about. Um uh, a little nervous about the will depth depending on what you do there. I guess you can always bump Carter back then, to Will and have Dom play if you need to. And um, then our guy, Kavion Keys, too. I think you're going to see more of him this year. I would hope so. Uh, you know I like me some Kavion Keys. Yeah, Curtis Jacobs was talking him up at the uh, at the Peach Bowl. He, he spoke glowingly about Kavion Keys and how good he's going to be. It's a big year. Uh, oof. Who am I thinking of, Sean? Linebacker. Um, Robinson, Tamir Robinson. 
No, but it's, it's kind of a big year. Uh, one year older guy than him. Oh, uh, Keon Wiley. Yes. Big yes. year for Keon Wiley. And this is a good opportunity for him, too, because like you said, new coach. Maybe he could maybe he could make it make make case to be to get more time at that Mike spot. Yeah, and I don't know where he's at, right? Because he's bounced around. He's played almost all those positions. So where are they going to settle him at? Do you put him at the Sam? Do you put him at the Will? I don't know what you do. So be very curious. I in my perfect world, you'd like to see Kobe King, Tamir Robinson as your one, two at Mike. Your Sam theoretically would be Abdul Carter and then Dom DeLuca, I guess. And then your Will, I guess, would be Tony Rojas and then Keon Wiley, I think would be your theoretically starting blue and white depth chart. And then see where Kavion Keys gets, see where some of the other younger guys go. But that's, I think, roughly where you're at. I just don't know where Keon, but it's a big year for Keon Wiley. Just wanted to mention him. Yeah, definitely. And he's athletic enough to play multiple spots at line. So yeah, he could definitely, um, you know, this, like you said, we have a lot coming back, but there's still room to fit in because Curtis Jacobs did a lot for this defense last year that I don't think it's talked about enough. And you saw it in the Peach Bowl when he wasn't playing. There was a huge difference at, at linebacker and being mm-hmm. able to stop Junkins. So. And then it's he came gonna, back in for a play, and he made a stop right away. <laughs> he did. Yeah, so everybody talks about replacing Kalen King and Chop and Adisa Isaac, and everybody kind of forgets that we have to replace Curtis Jacobs, too, but that's going to be a big spot to replace. Yeah. And just straight up, like, yeah, Abdul Carter has some great splash playability. Not as consistent of a tackler as Curtis Jacobs, if you're asking him to play that Sam spot. Maybe maybe you don't. Maybe you put Dom DeLuca there just because he's more consistent at tackling. I don't know. You lose some on the edge, obviously, speed-wise. But it just depends, I guess, who you're playing and, like, what you need. But theoretically, like, Curtis Jacobs probably, at least at this point in Abdul Carter's career, two times better tackler than Abdul Carter. Yeah, yeah, I don't disagree. And I think Abdul Carter has, I mean, we all know how much talent the guy has, but there does need to be some more consistency in his game. And I do think he had... He had a good year last year. It was good, but I think more. I think fans were expecting more than just good, right? And um, this is his year to do it. Yeah, a lot of that just comes with tackling better. So that's definitely something he can improve on. There's just a handful of times where he just just tackles a smidgen better. Things get a little bit better. Um, all right. Overall coaching staff, Sean, you want to throw a temp out there? Uh, we need offensive line. Oh, shoot. Thank you. Offensive line. Like car um, insurance, man. Like car insurance. Um, now, body insurance is health insurance. Right. Insurance.com. But. Still taking ad reads for car insurance. Uh, <laughs> offensive line, to me, is hot. Straight up. I think I said this last week. You can't replace your left tackle, your right tackle, and your center. And have me not at least a little bit concerned. I think there's some some good steps in the right direction. We actually have a fan question that I was going to get to in a second. Um, I think their solutions, specifically at center and maybe right tackle, feel better about um, or or left tackle. But I don't feel great about it. So I'm 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 going to say I'm not as hot as I am like a quarterback position or a cornerback position. 
But I'm I'm warm. I'm warm for sure right now. So you feel warmer about quarterback than offensive line? Yes. Okay. I was just wondering. Yeah. Um I think there are things that you could really that you that that I like about this offensive line. Like we have three guys that I at least somewhat trust in Sal Warmly, in Vanga, Ione, in JB, in JB Nelson. Um but then like I said, you have to replace the center. So then I think you could have a discussion. Do one of those guys kick the center? Um, I know Nick Dawkins has paid his dues and you know is a well-respected guy in the team, but I think there's I think you have to have some competition there at center. Um, and maybe look to one of those guards. And then offensive tackle, I mean, Drew Shelton played well at times, uh, played well in the Rose Bowl. Um, ended the 2022 season as basically the starting left tackle at that point um, and started the Peach Bowl. But then you go to the right side, and okay, Noel Rucci's there, but then what else do you have? Um, I think there are tons of question marks. So yeah, I'm warmer on this than... I guess I feel about the same way as I do about the quarterback, maybe probably right around the same warm level and we also have to do receiver yeah that's right um feel good like i think we'll be okay at center i think we'll be okay at one of the tackle spots i don't know who that like the tackle i feel great about i assume it's gonna be drew shelton but I, I think we'll be okay at least at one of them, right? But we're not even talking about, like, knock on wood, but we're not even talking about injuries or depth. I mean, again, we lost we lost Landon Tangwa before the season even started. Like, Guys get hurt on the offensive line. Yeah. And you can't, and, and like last year, you had the guys to make up for a lot of injuries. Don't feel that way this year nearly as much. So um, before we get to wide receiver, Sean, uh, Lambda on YouTube says outside of Wisconsin and maybe Minnesota will probably play a safety in the overhang role instead of a true Sam. Yeah, that's true. I, it just depends on the situation, right? If it's a running third down situation, I think you see Dom DeLuke out there. If it's more of a passing situation, you're right. Like they're going to probably go to a true uh, nickel or dime look and, and take one of those guys or two of those guys off, depending on what they want to do. Um, but Who's that? Who do you play then? Right. If you go, if you go with a Jalen Reed and a KJ Winston, do you throw Zaki Wheatley out there right away? Like it just, it just, how do you want to, is the Jalen Reed going to be that guy that's always playing in the box kind of like, I'm I okay so. with that. Um, it'd just be interesting to see how they play it. Can he, can he play, can he cover tight ends? I don't know. Um, so there's some questions there, but I agree with what you're saying. I don't know if you have much of a choice if if you feel like speed is an issue and you don't feel comfortable moving Abdul Carter from the Sam to the Will. Um, that'd be an interesting conversation as we get into the spring. I, I think, you know, everyone talks about blue and white not being a, uh, not being a, like you don't learn much. Well, okay, you don't learn maybe much from a 
um, like a player perspective on some of the starters. But you learn a lot about how te- like we want to play defense, especially with new coordinators. Uh, Lambda also mentions he wants to see King Mac play there. I think that's a really good point. King Mac, big guy, would be able to do that there. That's a that's a good point. I like that. that. that I I do like the King Mac reference. I do like that. Um, he's another guy that I thought might have played a little bit last year. Uh, but I do. He's gonna he's gonna play a lot here by the time it's all said and done. And yeah, look at Nelson the teams. Too. For, so yeah, yeah. Look at the teams we're playing. I mean, USC is on the schedule this year. UCLA, uh, assuming Chip Kelly stays, they'd like to spread you out and use their athletes. Uh, Washington is going to do something similar. Even without Kalen DeBoer, uh, they're going to be with Jed Fish. The Arizona offense was fun to watch last year. Yeah, that's what Jed Fish does. So you're going to see, I'm expecting Ohio State to be you know, I, I, even though I think they're going to be more run heavy, even though Bill O'Brien's probably not going to be their offensive coordinator because he's probably going to Boston College, I still think they're going to be. They, they, I think they'll be better throwing the ball this, but we'll see. They also lose Marvin Harrison Jr. So who, who the hell knows? Um, who the hell knows? But yeah, they're going to try to put put their best guys on the field. Period. And I think Tom Allen is very comfortable doing what you said. Uh, having that third safety on the field. I think he's more than comfortable doing that because that's a lot of what, what he did at Indiana. Yep. All right, let's go to wide receiver. Talked about a little bit already. Um, I'm probably... I mean, I'm hot. I mean, just, I don't think there's anything way to say it, right? I mean, you got you to gotta have some question marks going here. You don't have a true number one. You don't have a true number two. You don't really know what you have right now. You don't know what you're going to have coming out of the spring. I'm like, I'm hot, but it's like almost like I'm blindfolded. Like, I don't really know what the knob on the stove is set to because I just, you don't know what you don't know. And right now I don't know. And I mean, I know some things, but I don't know enough based off of what the offense is going to try to do. Like how much Julian Fleming makes an impact. Like is Keandre Lambert Smith one of those guys where if you have a number one across, he can be a great number two just can't be a number one like because he did some gr- good things and has done some good things in his career. Maybe he just needs the heat off of his, off his back a little bit and then he'll, he'll take off. I don't really know, but I'm hot. I just don't really know how hot I am, Sean. Yeah. I mean, I think you're a little crazy if you're not warm or, or hot. I mean, the wide receivers, I mean, they've been talked about ad nauseum, not just on here, but by pretty much everybody. Um, but like you said, Keandre Lambert Smith, I think this is a huge year for him. I think he had a pretty disappointing year last year, uh, but there's a lot to grow from and, you know, it's not about, you know, dwelling on the past. It's about being able to get off the mat and keep going and, you know, make yourself better. And that's, that's where, that's where greatness really is. Right. And it's not, a, you know, success isn't just like this. It's like this. Mm. And yeah, there. And, but the key is to keep going, to keep going up. And Andrew Lambert Smith has a ton of talent. And nobody, I, I haven't beaten this drum for two years. He's the most talented receiver at Penn State. I still think that even with Julian Fleming in the room, he is the most talented receiver at Penn State. If he could just, a little more mature 
Yeah, sky's the limit. He's going to be an NFL receiver. He could start in the NFL. I think he's that good. But it's just a matter of going and doing it. And I think there's... Do it. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of talent in the room. Not just him. Caden Saunders, I think, is a really talented Yeah. Omari Evans. Uh, Julian Fleming. So the talent that's, is there. But it's just about going and doing it. And part of that is quarterback's got to be better. OC's got to be better. So part of it is the quarterback and OC putting them in the right spots. But they also have to be better, too. Because from everyone blocking, has to be better. Yes, from a blocking perspective, from a consistency perspective, from route running, from effort. It's all got to be better from the receivers. Because none of it was good enough last year. Easy enough. All right, let's get to some fan questions here. Let's stick with the offensive line since that one kind of came up first here. This is from Matty Ice, longtime listener to the show. Haven't heard much about Javen Williams. I feel like, is he in the mix for one of the tackle spots, or do you think he has a better chance competing for an interior spot in the future? Well, we talked about Anthony Dunka a lot. And we thought Anthony Dunka, when he arrived on campus, was going to be an interior guy. Next, you know, he's playing right tackle in the Peach Bowl. I don't really know what that means specifically for Javen Williams, but it can be good. I mean, it just can't be, right? I mean, Javen Williams and Alec Brookmeyer were originally supposed to start on the outside and then maybe work their way in if it wasn't a good fit. Nobody was even talking about Anthony Dunka going from the inside out. So I don't, I'm not in those rooms. I don't know what's going on. But as far as like, is he in the mix? Well, okay, let me just say it this way because I believe Chimney Ono came in in the Peach Bowl as well. So, you're potentially saying that Javen Williams is your number four offensive tackle, maybe, right now. I'm sorry, with Nolan Rucci, he might be number five right now. So, my two cents on the matter, which, again, we're at February 5th here, is he should start looking in the interior. That's just my two cents. He For an interior guy, he would be an insanely athletic guy um, that could do some serious damage. Um, but I, I would find it hard to believe he's that far behind, say, the Chimney Onos and the Anthony Duncas of the world. I just couldn't imagine he's far behind. But I understand the question, given that he was such a highly rated guy coming out of high school. But, Sean, I mean, just straight up, like, it's it's offensive line, so he's been here for a year. It's not even close to the time to pull the alarm bell and, and freak out, right? Like, there's plenty of times to get this thing turned around. A lot of offensive linemen don't even play until their third year on campus. So I'm not freaking out by any stretch of the imagination. But when you compare it to Anthony Dunka, who also is in his class and did play in the Peach Bowl, then, okay, now you're like, okay, well, wait a second. Like, why? But that's all I got, Sean. I don't know. I, the quick answer to this is I would say he has a better chance at the interior spot based on the fact that he's probably number five offensive tackle right now. And um, I haven't heard much either. Yeah, I remember watching Javon Williams highlight and it was very impressive. But something to keep in mind. When you're a mauler in high school, 
and you're violent, you're playing fast, and that doesn't always mean, uh, and sometimes it, it, it could be contrary. Uh, it could be on the contrary. Like, you might not be technically sound. And that could be an issue with Javen. Maybe he needs to work on technique better. And technique is everything in football, college football. High school, you get away with poor technique. 100% because you're bigger than everybody. You're more physical than everybody. Um, you're more athletic than everybody. And Javen was was a monster in high school. But you don't really know how to play football. And that's something that you need a coach for. You need a college coach for it to go and develop you. And, and Trout has pro- proven he could develop you. But it might just take some time. And that's okay. Uh, do, and now I... I think he I think he projects more as an interior offensive lineman, um, partly because, like I said, he's a mauler. He's gonna go. He's gonna go get after. He's gonna make a living um, pancaking linebackers. That's kind of what I always saw, even last season when we first got him. That's kind of what I always saw with Javon Williams. You know, somebody that that's physical, and not that you can't be physical as a tackle. Of course, you could be. But you could really focus on it on those third and ones, third and twos, running behind Javon Williams, but picking up a few, picking up a few yards. So I think he ends up. I think he ends up in the ins, on the inside as well. Thank you, Matty Ice, for the question. As always, let's go to this other question here. Oh nope, that was last week. Sorry. Oh, nope, that was none weeks either. Um, we did have another question. Oh, and I know what it was. Oh, here we go. Here it is. Found it. All right. This is kind of an interesting question, Sean, so hold on to your seat. Question from Lucas Powers, who always is asking questions kind of outside of the box. Long-time listener to the show. When I say long-time listener now, like, we're talking about like a year and a half at least of listening. Like that is now the expectation for a long-time listener. So if you've asked questions and you're not considered a long-time listener, you're like, hey, why am I not a long-time listener? These guys have been asking questions, a lot of them, for a year and a half, two years. So long-time listener to the show, Lucas Powers, says, hypothetical question for you. College football moves to a general manager coach structure similar to the pro sports. Would you appoint James Franklin as a general manager or as a coach? Now, it's interesting and why this question probably comes up is a lot of people say, hey, James Franklin can't coach. He is a game manager. Um, he is he is a CEO type coach. And um, he's only going to be as good as his assistant coaches. Now, whether you agree with that or not, that's what some people tend to say. Um, that's probably where this kind of ammunition, this question kind of came from. So, Sean, would you hire James Franklin as your coach or as your GM? Both. Let's assume money's not included <laughs> in this, by the yeah. way, just for the sake of nah. it. Um, you know, I, I actually think sometimes, and I've been pretty critical of Franklin the last couple months, like where he recruits is typically where his teams end. So what I mean by that is if the team was like number 11 in recruiting, 
typically we're going to finish around number 11 in the country. Like we don't like people talk about Franklin. Like we recruit the top three every year. Like, Oh, he's a great recruiter, but he's a terrible coach. Not really. Like, I don't think he's as good of a recruiter as people say. Uh, And part of that is due to some structural things at Penn state. But like, I also don't think he's as terrible as a coach as some people say. So the answer, like a lot of things somewhere in the middle. So knowing that, I would probably take him, and it's a good question. I would probably take him as a as a coach. And the reason I would take him as a coach is one of the things he does a very good job of is instilling a culture and building his building his team and um, 365 days a year and he's big into that and has a good idea on the big picture um and that that's really it that that's why i would probably take him as as a head coach rather than a general manager but an excellent argument could be made that he that he'd be a better general manager than a head coach because he is a he is a very good talent evaluator as well talent evaluator would be the only thing that i scream and shout about maybe being a gm but i agree i'm going coach and I agree with what you said. Like he is a good recruiter. He's a, I think he's a great recruiter given where Penn state is. And honestly, the, I don't want to say the, the depth of the area hasn't been as good in the recruiting lately, but there was some really bad Pennsylvania cycles with all things considered. Um, and he was able to go out a couple of years and go snag some people from a lot of different places. So give him some credit there. Um, you can obviously see when COVID happened, when he wasn't able to get people on campus, how that made a massive difference in the recruiting. But you're right. Like we're recruiting borderline top 10 and we're finishing borderline top 10. I think Josh Pate said it all the time. Like he's a very rated coach. He's not an overrated coach. He's not an underrated coach. He's a very rated coach. He's literally doing kind of what everyone expects them to do beat everybody but Ohio State and Michigan. I don't think a lot of people. Like, I'm not trying to defend him in the sense of he's doing enough because I don't want people to think that way, um, that that I think that way either. But people do not put enough stock into winning the games you're supposed to win. Because, and Franklin said this before, this might have been at a radio show one time, but he said straight up, like, everybody wants to talk about winning the big game. And he's like, yeah, we want to win the big games too. But if you win the big games, but then you lose the clankers, the clunkers, then none of it matters. You got to be able to do both. And yeah, we ha- Penn State hasn't got over the hump and won the big time games. But in recent years, they also haven't lost the people that they're they're not supposed to lose to. Which three four years ago, everyone was like, "Oh, Franklin's due for a clunker." You can't even say that anymore. Which I know is not enough. But in the grand scheme of being a coach or a GM, I want a coach who's not going to lose the games. Think of the Mike Tomlins of the world right now who lose to everyone they're not supposed to all the time. Um, James Franklin's not doing that. And so, um, yeah, I, I would take I would take him as a coach as well. Not not perfect by any stretch, but I do think he's a good coach. I know there's maybe some time management questions, but I think for the most part, he gets most of those right. I know there's some questions about. um two-point conversion stuff and analytics talk about that another time but all intents and purposes 
I'd take him as a coach. Good question, Lucas Powers. These are the questions, by the way, now that we're in the offseason. If you asked us a question before and we didn't answer it, because maybe it was a little bit out there, that was probably because it was in the middle of the season. We were just trying to keep a little bit more focus. Focus is out the window now, ladies and gentlemen. Ask whatever the hell you want. It's the offseason, man. Yeah. There's, there's no focus. We're focused on everything. We're focused on and nothing. nothing. <laughs> everything and nothing all at the same time. Exactly. Exactly. I do have um, two more questions that I did not get into. Blame Mr. Mister because he asked last second. I usually don't do this for people, so don't think this is going to be a typical thing. But for Mr. Mister, I'll pretty much do anything he asked me to do. Um, he says, if you had to pick one offensive player and one defensive player off of last year's team to build around, who would it be? The players don't have to be returning for the upcoming season. So basically anyone who enters and oh, basically anyone who an, entered the transfer portal. God, I can't speak today. And and or when's the NFL? Who would you want to have back for this year on offense or defense? To have back? Um, that was, have, or did it have to be from this last class? Yeah, last year's team. Well, offense, so. Yeah. Have it, having a rock salad, offensive tackle, left tackle. Um, it's a luxury. And it's a luxury that I don't know if Penn State fans fully enjoyed. Because, again, it's like car insurance. Mm. You're just going to. You're like, oh, yeah, Olin was there. But then as soon as we have, like, some guy who's mediocre at left tackle, it's all they talk about. And that's all we'll be hearing about from from the fans on Twitter. And It could even be good, and it won't even be enough. Yeah, yeah. Like, people still complain about Caden Wallace last year because, like, he, he wasn't Olu. And it's like, guys, Caden Wallace is playing really good right now. Had a good I, senior I, bowl, too. Yeah. Like, whatever he was at. He, was, he had a very good season. And people still complain about him. <laughs> So that's just kind of the way it is with offensive tackles. You put you, you play really well. People barely even talk about you. You play you play poorly. Uh, it's all people talk about. Um, defense. Um, chop. I mean, was anybody more disruptive maybe in the country than him? I, I think it as. Time gets closer. Like right now, I think I see him in a lot of mock drafts, and who knows how much they mean, especially before free agency. Um, I think he's in the twenties. I think he's going to go up. Yeah, like, he's a guy that if if he's a stock, I'm putting a lot of money in right now. While the yeah. stock is, it's not low. He's a top twenty. He's a top twenty five pick, but I think he can go up to the top ten. Like yeah. I think he's good when he's tested. People are going to fall in love with the guy especially when they put the film on in conjunction with the testing. Yeah, he's going to shoot way up. So I go chop and Olu, maybe a bit of a cop up because there are probably two best players a last bit, year. A little bit, but, a little bit. But I had, yeah. to, I, had to, I had to put some ice on Corey here. Or turn the heat up on him, I should say. Yeah. Yeah, if I can't take Olu, I'd probably honestly take Caden Wallace on offense. Um or honestly, even a Hunter Norzad, just having someone else on there that I feel good about would, would go a long way. One spot, even if you, I'd probably take Cade Wallace because then you at least have one tackle spot figured out. And now you're telling me Nolan Rucci, Drew Shelton have to figure out the other one. That's a way better situation to have to figure out. So that, that's probably what I'd choose if I can't choose Olu. Um, I'd probably take Cade Wallace, which is kind of the cop out to the cop out. But um, defensively, I think it's a little bit more interesting. I, 
I see the chop Robinson. I could go Disa Isaac. I think honestly, just based off of depth, though, I'd have to go with Chop Rob or excuse me, Chop Robinson, Johnny Dixon, and could say Kalen King. I think Johnny Dixon had a better year. Johnny Dixon also gives you a little bit something from a pass rushing perspective. He's a little bit scrappier. Um, I think I'd take Johnny Dixon. Uh, I, then you have feel a little bit better about the cornerback position as well. Again, having one guy back there at least. Um, makes you feel a little bit better about not everyone having to step up right into into defending number one wide receivers. So that that'd be my guess. That that'd be my that'd be my two guys. We had yeah. a another question from Tyler on Instagram, who is another longtime listener. He, he you can also message us via Instagram too if if you want to ask questions that way. Uh, this question is actually asked the night of the podcast, but um, this is kind of a crazy one, Sean. So don't feel like we have to talk about it too much. He says, "Crazy hypothetical out here. Would James Franklin consider resigning to wait for college football to correct itself, schedule, etc., then re-enter when there's more work-life balance?" Appreciate, as he says, "I appreciate it, gentlemen." Um, I don't think so. To answer it straight up. But I think that's more because James Franklin likes the chaos. Like he's just one of those guys that enjoys the chaos. He enjoys the process. He enjoys like I think he gets he gets excited about it. Um, I don't think he's a guy that you have to be worried about that with. He's not the Bill O'Brien type, which we I feel like we talked about that last week. Where you might have to worry about somebody get kind of burned out. Um, he's just not that personality. So I'm not worried about him. I'd be more worried about. I don't know the Paul Chris of the world. Yeah, Chip Kelly. Yeah, yeah. Typically, yeah. Like a lot of these college coaches, you kind of see it in their press conferences. They, 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 they kind of look like presidents after they served for seven years, and that you could see them just aging right before your eyes, and their hair is falling out, or their hair is really gray. Yeah. And James Franklin's hair already fell out, so. And, and he you don't have to worry about that. Yes, exactly. So maybe it's a little harder to tell, but no, like he typically kind of takes these things in stride. Like he will say sometimes that things need to be fixed, but I think that's more about the game itself. Yeah. And do I do I think he's worried about the game? Yeah, I think every coach is because you're losing. Like take a guy like and believe me, Deion Barnes did a great job this year, but John Scott Jr. He just said nah, I'm done <laughs> and went to the NFL, and I can't really blame him. And he's just a divine coach. Like, head coaches are doing this. Um, The guy at Halfley. Boston College. Yeah, Jeff Halfley. He just took a coordinator job in the NFL. Like, yeah. I know BC's not a huge job, but that's that's a power five job. And he's just like, nah, I'm done. I'm going Packers defensive coordinator. You just power have four. never. Yeah. You just have net power for you. You just have never seen this before. Ever. Like, that. this is uncharted territory that we're in now and i think there's a lot of concern about the game from all these coaches and yeah i don't think you'd have to worry about franklin stepping down or becoming an offensive coordinator somewhere um but there are coaches called plays in a long time yeah yeah, I mean Franklin is a Oh, i'm sorry. Fans still think he's calling all the plays. I forgot. Uh that's that's true because yeah. Um yeah, Franklin is a 
better, and I know fans aren't big on James Franklin right now, a lot of you. Um, he's a much better head coach than an offense coordinator. I mean, I think that's a pretty uh, widely accepted thing. Like at Maryland, his offenses were all right, but he was, even then, he was seen as more of a better, more of a head coach. Um, Ricky Roddy's the same way. Ricky Roddy's doing a very good job at Old Dominion, but at Penn State, he was all right as an offense coordinator, but there are some guys that are just more suited to be head coaches, just like there are some guys more suited to be OCs. So I don't think you, I don't think he'll ever be a coordinator, and I don't think he'd ever resign um, no. because he didn't like the way that college football is going. That's just not him. I agree with that. Fun question, though, Tyler. Thank you. We're done. You know, we put together a hour and 45 minute podcast on May 5th or February 5th. You know, we didn't even talk about not it bad. because it's, it's not going to matter. But early signing day is Wednesday or uh, sorry, official signing day is Wednesday. Um, oh, yeah. But but Penn State's pretty much done. If anyone is curious about that, so. Yeah, yeah, we're not, we're not getting anybody else, and I don't even think anybody was on campus for class of twenty twenty four. Like, I don't think well, so. I just think Franklin called it a day in September, and, and that's fine. October, <laughs> I mean, or every, November, December. Yeah, yeah, you get everybody you want. Fine with me. Like I know last last couple of years there were uh, some late additions, but it doesn't have to be every year. And I think they're going to be. You have to keep spots open for the portal too. So you have to balance numbers out. Things That's like a that. question too, right? Like you got to think like, do you take a chance on somebody that you maybe you, you hadn't evaluated very much at this point? Right. Or do you just wait for a more portal guarantee? Right. Because, you know, we talked about there'll be attrition after spring. Well, maybe there won't be too, because there was barely any after the season. Maybe we only lose like one guy and then you're kind of up a creek without a paddle then. <laughs> I don't know where the numbers sit. But I think we need to lose a couple, I think. Yeah. Yeah, then you may see some guys. Um, I went to Catholic school, and they never expelled anybody. But what they would do is they would ask them to leave. So They'd hold all, the door open for them. Yes, but you were never expelled at Holy Cross. You were just asked to leave. So I think that it's a very similar thing at Penn State as well, and every other school in the country. <laughs> Just we'll help you find another opportunity. Right. Yes. Hey, speaking of opportunity, we do have merch on sale at the Mercury store. There's a link in the bio. There's a link on our link tree on Twitter. Go buy some Hackenberg is our is my boss merch. Supposed to have some more merch. We gotta ask management where the other merch is at. Um, yeah, we have some other things in, in the works. But uh thank you guys so much for listening made it this far in the show make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening appreciate you guys we'll uh we'll talk to you soon we won't be back probably until not this wednesday but the next wednesday but um until then thank you so much for listening i'm Corey listoki that's sean kane until next time see you later from hardcore penn state football have a good night everybody